this week, you will notice that we are, our one lesson is on prayer this week. And um, we're going to be flying through a lot of things. So this is just a fly, a flyover of, of basically the doctrine of prayer, okay? Um, <clears throat> so as we begin, uh, we're going to have, if this works, there we go, for our, um, our memory passage for the week, I'd like us to read this aloud together, okay? And then we'll pray, and then we'll dive right in, all right? I, I, I trust that you guys have had, a, had an okay week. The Lord has brought you here. Um, we're here, and God is good. And um, we are here to exalt him and to thank him uh, in spirit and in truth. So together, let's read our memory verse for the week, Philippians 4, 6 to 7, and then we'll pray together. Here we go. Be anxious for nothing, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God, and the peace of God, which surpasses all comprehension, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Amen. Let's pray. Only Father, we come before your throne of grace. And I pray that we come with hearts of thanksgiving. And Lord, where there is anxiety and worry, uh, Lord, may that be crucified in light of the fact that you are sovereign and you are in control of all things. And therefore, Lord, we want your peace to rule our hearts. And we know, Lord, that you've given us uh, the answer for that, even in the command of what we've just seen. You've told us to not be anxious, but with thanksgiving and in the gift of prayer that you've given to us and access to you, we can know, we can have your peace, which goes beyond all of mankind's comprehension. And thank you, Lord, for the promise that in doing that, you will guard our hearts and our minds in Christ Jesus. So Lord, bless this hour. May we be uh, refreshed in this study, grant uh, grace to our attention spans and in our conversations. And in this study, would you be glorified? In your name we pray. Amen. Amen. Okay, so this is our objectives for, for today. To understand the purpose of prayer, to be motivated to pray, and practical helps for your prayer life. Now, as most of you have probably heard it said, if a pastor wants to bring conviction to his people, there's the two top things that you talk about, right? Evangelism and prayer, right? How, how are you doing with, you, if, for example, you were asked the question, how are you doing with your evangelism? What are you doing in your prayer life? I could be doing better. Well, couldn't we all? Now, this is not, I'm not here this morning to teach or preach on, on the doctrine of enoughism, because none of us can ever evangelize enough, right? None of us can ever pray enough, right? But with this gift of prayer that we have been given by our Savior, we want to talk about it this morning, and really, uh, the, the point is not so much to convict us, but to comfort us in this study this morning, as we see these objectives, to understand the purpose of prayer, to be motivated to pray, 
and to see just a couple of practical helps for your prayer life. So normally at the end of a lesson of a study, we'll sort of go through like application, right? Well, this whole, basically this whole, our whole time together this morning is application upon application upon application as we see the truth of what God's word says about our prayer life, okay? So let me get to the right slide here. So speaking of the nature of prayer, we want to talk about the purpose of prayer. And the purpose of prayer, prayer brings glory to God. How often have have you and I thought that prayer is about me? (laughs) Now, as, as often as we see that throughout Scripture, it's amazing because a lot of it is. But in and through that, it is to be ascending to his glory. And, and here's just one passage that we come to. John 14, 13. Jesus says, this is in the, the middle of his upper room discourse the night before the crucifixion. He says, whatever you ask in my name, that will I do. So that the Father may be glorified in the Son. This is a huge passage, and we're just, we're just skimming it this morning, because if you just read it and glance at first sight, you can see how some people could be taken off by this and misapply it, right? Okay, whatever I ask in his name, that he'll do, done. I got it. I've got my, my uh, lucky rabbit's foot, rub it, and I get what I want. can easily be taken out of context if we don't know the context. But just take what the Lord Jesus has said here. Whatever you ask in my name, right? In my name. Or another way you could put that is in my will, which we'll see more of in a moment. This is not a magical formula. This is according to his will. And then look at the last half of the verse. So that the Father may be glorified in the Son. Here even we see the close relationship of the Trinity is shown here in Jesus' teaching on prayer. Remembering that the purpose of prayer is not for the glory of the unholy Trinity, me, myself, and I. Perhaps some of you have heard that saying. But it's for the glory of our triune God. And back to in his name, whatever you pray in my name, that is, this is to, to identify with the purpose of Christ to the extent that our will has become identified with the will of God. We're now children of God, adopted sons and daughters of God. We now want to do his will and abide in his will. And this will, this will build as we go through the rest of our time this morning. If we have a signal. There we go. So, in his name, that I will do so that the, that the Father may be glorified in the Son. Therefore, point two, we need to see that our prayer aligns with God's will. Prayer aligns our will with God's will. I mean, I don't know about you, but <laughs> if the Lord answered every single prayer that I gave, and it's not in his will... That's scary business. I don't know about you, but I don't want to be outside of his will. And and we should say say that to the extent of even the smallest thing. 
Because if he is sovereign and his will is and will be done, that affects every single molecule on the planet. That affects every single purpose of the nations. Everything. Prayer, understanding it correctly according to God's word, aligns our will with God's will. We want to be in line with his will in all that we pray. And that really cleans up our prayers pretty fast, if you think about it. Look at uh, point A, what Jesus says here in Luke twenty-two forty-two, saying, Father, if you are willing, remove this cup from me. Yet not my will, but yours be done. Wow. Here's the Son of Man in his humanity. If you are willing, take away this cup this cup of the curse, this cup of the wrath of God that I have to bear in order to save from my sins, your people from their sins. That's a huge statement. Is there any other way? If you are willing, remove this cup from me, but then here we go in his perfect submission to the Father. Yet, not my will in the, the, the weakness of the flesh of, 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 of humanity, yet not my will, but yours be done. And be careful, there's no sin in the Lord Jesus Christ right here, seeing what he was about to face. He said, my, not my will, but yours be done. Matthew 6.10, as Jesus then instructs us to pray, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Not my kingdom, not my will, your kingdom, your will be done. And when, as we see, as we are in line with what scripture says about sound, a sound prayer life, bringing glory to God, aligning our wills with God's will, what happens? Point three. Prayer brings peace. Just like we read in our memory verse. We'll read it again here. Be anxious for nothing. Now, grasp the comprehensiveness of this, okay? Does nothing mean nothing at all? No. Nothing. But in everything, comprehensive also. Absolutely everything. By prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving. How many of us struggle with that in our prayer lives? <laughs> in those difficult situations or whatever it may be. With thanksgiving, as you're trusting him, let your requests be made known to God. How often do we first of all run to, to our friend or our neighbor or whoever it is with our needs, with our, our struggles? No, no. To God and the Look at the promise, the peace of God, which surpasses all comprehension, will guard, to take into protective custody, it's a military term, will guard your hearts and your minds, okay, your whole being in Christ Jesus. Quick little uh, reminder, um, where's Paul at this time? Where's the Apostle Paul as he's penning this very verse? In prison. I, I, I don't, 
I can barely state this truth when I have a little cold and I'm sick and coughing in my bed. (laughs) Be anxious for nothing. Don't worry. But with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God and his peace. The peace of God surpasses all of what our minds can, can think will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus as we're doing it his way. But how often we do it our own way. Um, please memorize this passage. <laughs> let, let this passage this week be the kickstart to all your prayers this week in your prayer life. We also see that prayer not only brings peace, but <clears throat> really in order for that peace to be, to be coming into fruition, um, we pray to confess sin. To confess sin. And, and to confess means to say the same thing about sin that God says about it. To truly acknowledge God's perspective of sin. Right? How, how difficult is it sometimes can we be with one another to spouse to spouse or even to our children and we sin against them and we just want to say, I'm sorry, and get beyond it. Or just please forgive me and get beyond it. Can you actually state, not, not just before one another, but before God, with specificity, your sin as you examine your heart before God? Lord, this is what it is. This is what your word has said it is. I confess. I lay it all before you. We pray to confess sin. 1 John 1, 9. If we confess our sins, what a promise, isn't it? He is faithful and righteous to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. The application of the gospel, the application of the blood of Christ and his resurrection intermingled, simultaneously applied in the obedience of his children to come clean and to confess. Of Proverbs 28.13, it's not on here, sorry. Proverbs 28.13, he who conceals transgressions will not prosper, but he who confesses and forsakes them, will find compassion. Compassion. That's the promise of God in our obedience, in our prayer life to confess. Also, pray, as we've sort of already touched on, pray to cast our burdens upon God. First Peter 5, 6-7, perhaps a familiar passage for, for some of us. Therefore, humble yourselves under the mighty hand of God, that he may exalt you at the proper time, casting all your anxiety on him because he cares for you. Aren't you thankful for this command? He commands you and I to cast all of our anxieties upon him. This, is a, this word literally means to hurl with all of your might, just like the fishermen would, would throw their nets out onto the water. Just stop and think about that for a moment. Um, how are you doing with that act of obedience and faith when it comes to casting your anxieties upon the Lord Jesus Christ? How are we doing with that? 
Lord, I'm sorry. I haven't been casting as I ought to cast. <laughs> cast all your anxiety on him and, and, and check it out because he cares for you. I love Psalm 55, 22. Cast your burden on the Lord and he will sustain you. He will never allow the righteous to be shaken. What a promise. And as Jesus has said in Matthew chapter 6, don't worry about your life. So what you shall eat, what you shall drink, what you shall put on. And then he gently says to his disciples, oh, you have little faith. Don't worry. But here's one way that we cast our anxieties on him. Here's one way that we cultivate the peace of God in our life. What does he say in Matthew 6? He says, but seek first his kingdom and his righteousness. And all this other stuff, it'll be added unto you. How often we can be derailed, even in our prayers, and in not aligning our wills with his. How often? In, in obedience to these things and understanding that it brings glory to God, prayer does, and it aligns our will with his, and prayer brings peace, and we are to confess our sin, and we are to be casting our burdens on him, we need to understand that prayer is powerful. This is not some little cliche, okay? And it's not so much that the power is in the prayer, the power is in the object of the one to whom you're praying, right? Just like how often we can say, oh, faith, oh, you gotta have faith, yeah, faith, faith. It's the object of your faith that matters, Right? Prayer is powerful. Look at James 5.16. The effective prayer of a righteous man can accomplish much. We need to be careful in understanding this and how we appropriate this because this righteous man here does, does not look to the merits of himself, but the grace of God is what he looks to. This righteous man is the one who's been doing all the way back to point one, is the one who's seeking to bring glory to God and to align his will with God's will. This is the effective, powerful prayer of this righteous man, and it can accomplish much. With believing expectations, in other words, to be earnest in prayer. Earnest. Like Daniel right? Like Elijah, the Lord Jesus Christ, like, like Moses, Numbers 11.2, with the complaining Israelites. You remember them? And when the Israelites complained, uh, the angel of death would be sent upon them, or even fire from the Lord, Numbers 11.2. And then what did Moses pray? Moses prayed to the Lord, and the fire died died, prayed in accordance with the will of God. Same thing with the, with the golden calf in Exodus 32. Moses prayed and the Lord withheld. And this is all in accordance with his will. Okay? This is not for you and I to go out and say when that tornado comes that you command that that tornado cease and stops. Okay? You, you don't command that. We can most and should certainly pray for the safety of the people and for God's will to be done even in that storm. 
This is all in line if we get it from top to bottom and understanding the, the full doctrine of prayer throughout the scriptures, it is to bring glory to God and for our lines to be in line, our wills to be in line with his will. And just a quick quote from Spurgeon on that. Uh, prayer is the slender nerve that moves the muscle of omnipotence. Uh, please, please understand that, that that quote is right in line with with James 5:16 and right in line with praying according to God's will. Aren't you I mean isn't it isn't it amazing to think that God uses our prayers as a means to his end? I mean that should stagger us this morning. Worms like us, uh, dust mingled with sin like you and I that he uses the prayers of his people to accomplish his purpose, his will. Absolutely stunning. So that brings us then to the necessity of prayer and understanding our need. I think we get that, but let's really get it now, okay? Um, Real quickly, Martin Luther says, to be a Christian without prayer is no more possible than to be alive without breathing. Number one, Jesus prayed. Now help me finish this sentence, okay? Anyone, and even if it's all, if you all say it at once and it's all, it's okay, all right? Finish this sentence. If Jesus prayed, yeah, exactly. I think you all got it right. How much more do you and I need to be in prayer? We're talking about the Son of Man here who gave us the example of perfect submission and obedience to God the Father. Incredible. Look at Matthew 14, 23. (laughs) After he had sent the crowds away, he went up on the mountain by himself, by himself, to pray. And when it was evening, he was there alone. I understand. We live in a busy world. Some of us have big homes. Some of us have small homes. We have some parks. We have some places to go. Jesus, do you see the effort that he went through in order to do what he needed to do in his dependence upon God? Sent the crowds away. I'm not telling you, that's not telling us to be rude and say, I I gotta pray. You're having people over your house. It's time for you to leave. I have to pray. I'm not, no, (laughs) careful there. But look at what he did. Sent the crowds away, went up to the mountain by himself to pray, and he was there alone alone. Let me ask you this really quick. Can you be alone with God? Can you be alone with God? Is that your desire? I know. He's invisible. I know. It's not like I can talk to my brother in Christ or or, or sister. I know that. He, He knows that. He's given us his spirit. And he's given us his people. And, and, and we have to remember this precious gift that when our, our prayers of living by faith in him is going to turn to sight. And, and I love how, how, how Peter says to the church at Rome, he says, though you do not see him, you love him. And though you do not see him now, you rejoice with joy inexpressible, full of glory. Though you do not see him, but we see him, the eyes of faith, 
through the truth of his word because the Holy Spirit has illuminated our hearts to see the Lord Jesus Christ, our great high priest, to know what he's done in our behalf and to know that he intercedes for us. Even at this very second, even if you're ignoring what I'm saying right now and you are in prayer, go for it. He intercedes for you now. I think that's one, one aspect of we're going to rejoice in in heaven. Like, we're going to be exalting him throughout heaven. <laughs> we're going to be praising him for all the times he interceded for us, and we had no idea. No idea. Luke 5.16, but Jesus himself would often slip away. Don't you love that language? Slip away to the wilderness and pray. That's a lot of effort. Listen, the effort you and I have to do, we don't have to go very far, really. I think most of us have closets, right? Most of us have some kind of corner where we can get away from the kids that we love, right? Or, or our spouse that we love. You need to be in prayer. Jesus prayed. Letter C, six, Luke 6.12. It was at this time that he went off again to the mountain to pray and he spent the whole night the whole night in prayer to God. Don't you love what Jesus said to his disciples? Pray one hour? <laughs> and they fell asleep, right? Before he's going to be crucified? I mean, that's, that, that kind of tends to tell you and I, that was pretty common back then, around that length of time in prayer to Yahweh. Wow. The whole night in prayer. I am not going to give some legalistic instruction this morning to say, you better be in prayer all night. Shame on you if you are not all night in prayer. But I think we get the idea. We need to be in prayer. We are, therefore, with all that we've seen so far, commanded to pray. Aren't you thankful for this command? What a command. You can come before the... Come before the throne of grace with confidence, knowing that he hears you and he provides the grace and mercy that he knows you and I need. If that's my fault, I'm sorry. We are commanded to pray. And how often our minds wander and drift, often prayer is, is work, right? It is, it is self-discipline. It is a spiritual self-discipline. But listen, <laughs> the more you do, the more that duty becomes delight. The more that duty becomes delight. It becomes your joy, even though it is a command. Look at, look at 1 Thessalonians 5.17. Pray without ceasing in constant prayer. It's almost like Deuteronomy 6. As you go in the way, in the markets, at home, when you rise up at night, be teaching your family the truths of God's word. So too with prayer, in and out and as you go. Ephesians 6, 18, with all prayer and petition, pray at all times in the Spirit. And with this in view, be on the alert and with all perseverance and petition for all the saints. And praying for one another, that we would be equipped, that we would be enriched by Christ and his word praying at all times in the Spirit. And that is not some mystical 
transcendental experience that we are seeking for? Because if you're praying at all times in the Spirit, who wrote the Word of God? 1 Peter 1.21, the Holy Spirit wrote it through. He moved men of old to inscripturate His Word. So we are to be praying in line with the Scriptures. With the Scriptures. With, in other words, as we have already seen, in accordance with His will. Conditions for answered prayer, you must abide in Christ and his words must abide in you. Again, this all comes back to his will. John 15, 7. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. Abide in me. And my words are to be abiding in you. And whatever you wish, because my words are in you, my will's in you, whatever you wish, it will be done for you. How thankful should we be? How thankful we should be for this promise. Now, I, I know perhaps maybe some of you are thinking this, okay? And, I, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give a little stir, okay? If you don't mind, can I give a little stir? Maybe you can help me think through this as well. Think of Ahab. Think of the people of Nineveh. Think of Cornelius. There are several others in Scripture that were not abiding in Christ. Who were not in Christ. And what did they do? They prayed to the God of Israel. They prayed to the one true and living God that certain things would take place and certain, certain things would happen. And it happened. But wait a second, I thought the conditions for answered prayer was that we abide in Christ. You see the conundrum? Help me out. What is this saying? If that's true, then what do we do with the conditions for answered prayer? I mean, if, if unbelievers can pray, right? And, and those, those prayers be answered. But the conditions for answered prayer is that we abide in Christ and his words must abide in you, how do we solve this little dilemma? The floor is yours. They were elect, okay. Good, good, yeah, Ambrose. Repentance, okay. Good. What else? Okay. Okay. Anything else? said. Can you say that louder for everyone to hear? Say that louder, Philip. Did everyone hear that? The assurance that we have in Christ alone. And, and, and we have to be careful. Oh, it was a, it was a, it was a coincidence. No. It was, in, it, it was according to God's will. So we can't just use that as a cop-out. We are to be abiding in Christ, and his words are to be abiding in us. And again, here, he is speaking to his people. And his people want to abide in Christ, and we want his words to be abiding in us, and we want that whatever we wish to give glory to him and to be in line with his will. Now, if any of you want to talk about more about the, pr the prayers of unbelievers being answered afterwards, come and see me. I'd, I'd love to talk with you more about it because it's, it's a fun conversation. Moving on. Those who abide in Christ are those who indeed confess Christ as Lord. Again, John 4.15, 1 
whoever confesses that Jesus is the Son of God, God abides in him and he in God. And and if this is true, then ongoing dependence on Jesus and adherence to his words transforms his people's desires. Why? So, So that when they, when you and I ask whatever we wish in prayer, our requests conform to God's revealed will. And this clarifies, again, what it means to pray in Jesus's name, right? It clarifies it for us. Praying in Jesus' name. In thinking about even what Colossians 3 says, we are to do all in the name of Jesus, in his name. In other words, can you, in what you're about to do, in what you're about to say, in what you're about to accomplish, can you at the end of the day or at the end of that task or that thought or that word, can you sign in Jesus' name? I want this to be in line with his will. I want to be in his will. Whoever confesses that Jesus is the Son of God, God abides in him and he in God. Being obedient and committed to the word of God is another condition for answered prayer. 1 John 3, 22. And whatever we ask, we receive from him because we keep his commandments and do the things that are pleasing in his sight. <laughs> Love is the heart of obedience to his word, and he blesses that submissive life with answered prayer. He does. Because the true believer wants to keep his commandments. We want to be pleasing in his sight, in all that we do. And again, you must pray according to the will of God. Again, First John 5, 14, this is, the, this is the confidence that we have before him. That if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us again. How happy are we about this truth, knowing that he hears us, right? I mean, sometimes if it's a selfish child coming to you, uh, they're not going to be so happy that you didn't line up your will with their will, right? But we know he is good and he does good, right? Is God good? Does he do good? We know his will is always accomplished, but even with this truth, the confidence that we have, that if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us, don't let this truth make you slack or passive in prayer or even neglect praying according to his will. Don't let it make you slack or passive in your prayers. Just knowing, ah, his will is going to be done. I don't need to pray. Just, here's my prayer for the day. Lord, your will be done. No. No. One Sunday school teacher asked little Johnny, "Uh, Johnny, do you pray before meals at home? Johnny said, oh, I don't have to. My mom's a good cook. Funny, but sadly, that's how we can be towards the Lord in prayer so often. You know, we struggle so much. We struggle, and oh, I haven't answered my prayer. But but listen, 
the answer to our prayers, it's really, it's really threefold. No, or you're crazy. It's not in line with my will. It's or no. And to be found rejoicing in whatever that will is, right? Think of Job, right? Though he slay me, even though he's praying for company, though he slay me, yet I will what? Yeah, I'll trust him. I'll praise him. Lord, help us to be in line in knowing that this is the confidence we have before him. We ask according to his will, he hears us because we want to see him glorified. Sometimes he's glorified in cancer. Sometimes he's glorified in death. Moving on to the next, we, this is basically a, a repeat, sorry. In aligning our will with God's will, again, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Now, some hindrances to answered prayer. Number one is obviously sin. Listen to Isaiah 59, 1-2. Behold, the Lord's hand is not shortened that it cannot save, or his ear dull that it cannot hear, but your iniquities have made a separation between you and your God, and your sins have hidden his face from you so that he does not hear. Psalm 66, 18. If I regard wickedness in my heart, the Lord will not hear. Number two, our wrong motives. James 4, 3. You ask and do not receive because you ask with wrong motives so that you may spend it on your pleasures. Coming back to his will, right? It is my prayer. Are my prayers lining up with God's will? Do I seek his glory and his will above all else? Above all else. And also, lack of faith. James 1, 5 to 8, but if any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask of God who gives to all generously and without reproach, and it will be given to him. But he must ask in faith without doubting, for the one who doubts is like the surf of the sea, driven and tossed by the wind, for that man ought not to expect that he will receive anything from the Lord, being a double-minded man, unstable in all his ways. So these are some hindrances to prayer. We've seen conditions for answered prayer, hindrances to answered prayer, now how to pray. General guidelines here on the fact that <laughs> the whole Trinity is involved. And just real quickly, 2 Corinthians 3.14 as a prayer that Paul, that Paul gives the Corinthians, uh, really summarizes this. May the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you all. If you want to pray a prayer, a short prayer, where the entire Trinity is involved in one verse, it's 2 Corinthians 13, 14. I, I, I enjoyed discovering that when I was a teenager. I was like, what? The whole Trinity is it? You can find it in one, in one sentence. Pretty awesome. The whole Trinity is involved in our prayer life. The Father, Matthew 6, 9, pray then in this way, our Father who is in heaven, 
hallowed be your name. The Son, Romans 1.8, First, I thank my God through Jesus Christ for you all because your faith is being proclaimed throughout the whole world. And the Holy Spirit, Ephesians 2.18, For through him, that is Christ in his sacrificial death, we both have our access in one spirit to the Father. Think of it. Just think of it, okay? The resources of the Trinity belong to the children of God. All of the resources of the Trinity belong to believers. What resources did Jesus have in his humanity? The word. As he came before the Father, we have the same resources he's given to us. And the Holy Spirit presents them our prayers before the heavenly throne of God the Father where, where they are welcome to come, where you and I are welcome to come to him with boldness at any time. Hebrews 4, 16. And, and if we think that this is amazingly helpful, the fact that the whole Trinity is involved in our, in our prayer life, if you don't know what to pray for, ask the Holy Spirit to intercede. Have you ever been there? Has any of us ever been there where we don't know what to pray or let alone how to pray about a certain situation or even about your own heart? 8.26. Listen to what Paul says. In the same way, okay, context here, that is just as creation and believers groan for ultimate restoration, okay, in the same way, the Holy Spirit, the Spirit, also helps our weaknesses, for we don't know how to pray as we should, but the Spirit himself intercedes for us on our behalf, for our welfare, with groanings, that is, divine articulations within the Trinity that can't be expressed in words, with groanings too deep for words. The Holy Spirit that dwells in you if you have repented of your sin and put your faith in Christ alone. This is the Spirit of God that dwells within you. And his intercession here in Romans 8, it parallels the high priestly work of Jesus Christ according to Hebrews. He intercedes for us with groanings too deep for words. This is incredible that he's done this work for us, that he's, that he's sent to us the, the, the Comforter, the Holy Spirit, to convict us of sin, to comfort us of the Christ who has come, the hope who has come, who has accomplished salvation for us, and then to sustain us and to carry us through the trials and tribulations of life which he is sanctifying us by, and in those, those difficult seasons, those difficult moments that you have, the, inter the, the Holy Spirit intercedes. He comes between. He comes in. He helps our weaknesses. <laughs> groanings. Groanings that are too deep for words. So we'll also see here, prayer needs to be intimate. It, it is intimate communion with God. Matthew 6, 6. Like we mentioned earlier, Jesus says, when you pray, right, 
Don't be like the Pharisees who want to be heard for their many words, for their self-righteousness. But when you pray, he says, go into your closet. <laughs> and then in, in Matthew 6, 6, he, he not only says, go into your closet, he says, close the door. <laughs> Intimate communion with God. Like we saw with Jesus' prayers, getting away, being isolated, coming before your, your God. D, do not use meaningless repetition. Matthew 6, 7 to 8, where Jesus is saying they want to be heard for their many words. We don't pray to be heard by one another. We pray to, 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 to help one another. Like when someone prays, we are to be entering in to what is being said in accordance with the will of God. Don't use meaningless repetition to be heard. And that could even be taken by the fact of, I mean, how often have you and I perhaps at the dinner table have just sort of, we've said that prayer uh, for the 122nd time, you know? And their kids are kind of like saying, pray the same prayer over and over again. Repetition, meaningless repetition. Are we truly bearing our hearts before the Lord in, 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 in adoration and in thanksgiving and in laying our requests at his feet? E, don't be flippant. That, that it really goes hand in hand. Don't be flippant, but intentional with what you pray. Ecclesiastes 5.2. Do not be hasty in word or impulsive in thought to bring up a matter in the presence of God. For God is in heaven, and you are on the earth. Therefore, let your words be few. We're not crafting our words before a king, but the king. Have you ever stopped to think about that for a moment? Do you ever, I'm sort of a visual person, so do you ever, in your prayers, do you ever sort of <laughs> picture, imagine yourself, for the throne of glory. <laughs> you ever do that? I mean, it really, if, if you increasingly seek to do that, your and my prayers, they're going to they're gonna be being crafted a little bit differently. <laughs> We're going to be shaping our heart's desires and attitudes uh, incredibly before his throne of grace. I mean, do you ever picture heaven as you're reading Revelation 21, 22? Do you ever picture before him? Incredible. Absolutely incredible. Remember to whom you pray. Don't be flippant, but be intentional. And, and I'm not telling us this morning, our prayers need to be just like the Puritans, which I'm going to reference in a moment. I'm not telling us to be that. No, you're you. Be you. <laughs> Whether it's in private before the Lord or with one another. But remember who you are coming before. This is Almighty God. Is he our friend? Yes, he is indeed. He's our God. Developing the discipline as we move on. Hopefully with the slides. We'll see. Have a routine. Have a routine. <clears throat> Daily. Uh, perhaps nightly, um, have that certain place, that certain 
time. Perhaps even writing them out. Maybe some of you have prayer journals. Don't you love looking back in your prayer journals and seeing how you how you prayed and you're like, I prayed that. <laughs> or then you also see indeed answered prayer. Or then you see how the Lord has transformed you and sanctified you in not answering the way that you prayed. And then one year, two years, three years later, you see that he answered a different way and you find yourself thanking him and glorifying him because he didn't answer that prayer. I'm sorry, (laughs) scratch that, did answer that prayer. And then your will came in line with his. Have a routine as much as you can. It's helpful, isn't it? Aren't routines helpful in life? They're so helpful. And that, that's basically going hand in hand with having a structure, having, having some sort of structure. Listen, businesses, education, music, family, sports, quilting, church life, everything has a structure. Have a structure for your prayer life. It helps. It truly helps. It's helped me incredibly. Oh, and by the way, speaking of structure, oh, Jesus gives us that structure, doesn't he? In in how he instructed his disciples how to pray. Our Father, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done. Give us this day our daily bread. Forgive us our debts. Do not lead us into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory. Did you notice the divine structure that was given here? Pray then like this. He didn't say to pray in a repetitious word for word verbatim, pray this exact prayer. He said, pray like this. So there's this pattern. There's this structure that he gives. And if you notice, you can really break it into three here. One, for God to be glorified. Two, for his purposes to be achieved. And three, for our needs. There's the structure. There's the pattern. And if you break it in half, if you cut the line right between your will be done and give us a stay our daily bread, you see the top half is vertical. And you see the bottom half is horizontal. Brief, simple, childlike dependence and confidence upon the Lord. How Christ has taught us to pray with, with routine. Even an example of his life and Paul's life and others and with the structure that is helpful in developing this discipline. And here's a little help. Perhaps some of you have have heard this before. Acts, adoration, confession, thanksgiving, supplication. You will see this all throughout the Psalms and the major prophets and the prayers of Paul. You will see this structure in adoring him, in glorifying him, hallowed be thy name, confession, thanksgiving, and supplication. And as far as supplications go, uh, I know this might be silly to some of you, but this is helpful, especially to children, but even to you and I, uh, just with our hands, okay? Um, Categories and groupings can help us. And we see this pattern right here um, throughout the New Testament as well. Family and friends closest to you, the thumb, right? Leaders and teachers who point and direct, right? Pastors, government and authority, the tallest finger that you have in your hand, 
the weak or sick, this finger is, is normally the, the weakest finger that, that we all have in our hands. And then, of course, the pinky being the smallest, praying for myself last. This is not only helpful for, for children and youth here this morning. Youth, please take this to hand, literally. Okay, it'll help you, um, but for us as well. So have that routine, have that structure, have lists, paper lists, paper mate application that you can grab on your phone. What I've be- begun to do even in recent days is to set daily reminders. Um, I'm thankful to the Lord for Alexa and Siri and calendar alerts where you set those constant reminders, those alerts that will keep on coming. Um, very, very helpful. Pray even when you feel discouraged to pray. Psalm 22, 1 to 2. We can, we can, please remember, we can reverently express our pain in the face of, of unanswered prayer. But remember what Psalm 22 ends with. It ends with him trusting and rejoicing in God's promises, even through seemingly unanswered prayer. And sometimes it's even backwards. Psalm 88. Psalm 88 is the darkest, sorry, it is the darkest psalm in all of the psalms. It's the one that has the least amount of praising the Lord. Promises and the declarations are still there. I challenge you to read Psalm 88. (laughs) this week. Sometimes it's backwards, but the praises are still there in the midst of the distress and the darknesses. Pray even when you feel discouraged to pray. And we end briefly here. Sometimes prayers are answered immediately. Isaiah 65, 24, it will also come to pass that before before they call, I will answer. And they, while they are still speaking, I will hear. Incredible. Sometimes answered, sometimes prayers are delayed. Luke 18. Now, will not God bring about justice for his elect who cry to him day and night? And will he delay long over them? Sometimes they are delayed. But we are exhorted to persistence. Luke 18. Now he was telling them a parable to show that at all times they ought to pray and not lose heart not lose heart. And sometimes answers are different than what was asked for, right? 2 Corinthians 12, 17, remember Paul's prayer? He had a thorn in the flesh. Lord, remove this, fle- this thorn in my flesh for me. Three times, right? Do you remember what the Lord's response was to Paul? My grace is sufficient for you. My power is perfected in weakness. So sometimes answers are different indeed than what we asked for. And I just skipped ahead without doing the PowerPoint there. I'm sorry. Real quickly, book recommendations. The Psalms. That's the first book I would encourage you to run to. The Psalms. Secondly, do you guys remember what these are? What's this? What's that? It's a hymn book. Got green. There we go. Hey. <clears throat> Excellent. Thank you. <laughs> Very good. 
testing one, two. So we have Puritan paperbacks, Thomas Brooks. So it's, it, yeah. 